0: So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 155 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Joanna Penn. Joanna lives in Bath, England, which I'm going to, I'm, Bath, she lives in Bath. (laughs) (laughs) We had a pronunciation lesson at the beginning, but I'm going to say it like a Georgia girl. Bath. She lives in Bath. <laughs> and she is an author and a podcaster. Welcome, Joanna. Oh, thanks for having me,
1: Jen. And I'm very excited to be here.
0: I'm so glad to have you. I know it's different when when you're the one in the guest chair <laughs> as a podcaster. It's actually a lot of fun, isn't it? I love being a guest on someone else's podcast because I can just talk. and. <laughs>
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and you're coming on my podcast, too. So that's very interesting. So I get to pick your brain.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I love it. So before we get into your intermittent fasting story, tell us about your work as an author and podcaster and and what you write about, because you actually have two different writing careers that are interesting.
1: I do. So I write thrillers as J.F. Penn. So Joe Francis Penn, you know, is my thriller name. And then I also write nonfiction for authors as Joanna Penn. And that's really because, I mean, you know how it is. Uh, You start writing and you discover things and you learn things. And I've learned things about publishing and book marketing. And and so I've ended up writing a lot of uh, nonfiction books along the way, Uh, you know, mindsets, all the issues we go through as creatives. So I started writing nonfiction as well. And I have two podcasts, the Creative Pen podcast, which is for writers and also books and travel, which is obviously around books and travel. So yeah, I'm an author and a podcaster, but I just, I call myself, I guess, an independent creator. That's what I'm passionate about. I love it, and I rarely meet people who have more than one podcast like me. <laughs> oh, isn't it addictive? It's a bit like books. It is. I mean, once well now you I get have the three, bike. three podcasts. Yeah, you've beaten me, but you also have uh, you have co-hosts on your other ones, right? I do. On yeah, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> it helps so much. <laughs> so if you're
0: going to do a third, you need to find a, a great co-host.
1: <laughs> I have thought about it, but then it's like, oh my goodness, so much work. But no, I love it, and it's great to connect.
0: Mm-hmm. People don't realize how much goes on behind the scenes. Though. Oh yeah, but it's fun if you love to talk
1: like like we do and connect with people and put it out there. Yeah. Or listen as well. I think the other thing is like, um, I've listened to every episode of this show. When you find a podcast you like and you connect with someone and, you know, like I feel I know you because I've listened to all the shows and everyone always says that when they come on and people say the same to me. And I think it's just a very authentic way of connecting when you're not that keen on doing video. Like I'm just not that keen on video. <laughs> me too. People are like, Jen, would you do YouTube videos? And I'm like, nope. <laughs>
0: And then somebody the other day, they're like, you should go on TikTok. And I'm like, well, that is extra no. I had exactly the same
1: thing. I'm like, no, I'm 46. I'm not
0: interested. (laughs) I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'm done. I'm paring down my social media platforms, not ramping them up. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I want to have a little time to not do those things. Well, anyway, it's great to, to finally connect with you here. I've been looking forward to this a lot. And so back to the intermittent fasting, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting? And when was that?
1: Well, so I was trying to figure it out. And because I listen to so many podcasts and have done for years, I think it was around 2015 on the Tim Ferriss podcast. I believe
0: that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So Tim Ferriss has been talking about this for years. Um, Peter Attia, he's had on there. Um, obviously, people like Dave Asprey. And then General Stanley McChrystal, I still remember. Uh-huh. You know?
0: <laughs> Did he have him? Tim Ferriss had him yes, on there? Yes, he had him he's on there. He's the one meal a day
1: guy for he people is. who don't know. Yeah. So I basically... Yeah, you know, I was listening to all this. I like performance stuff and optimization stuff, but I was like, none of this applies to me because this is clearly for athletes, high performance men, or people with tons of discipline, like a general, you know, his super discipline. And then also, you know, Michael Mosley, who's a British doctor. And I think he did this documentary on fasting before the 5 2 thing. And he showed people on the very low calorie diets and they looked sick and they. They were like, here's my one blueberry. And- yeah, those
0: people who do what, what's referred to as calorie restriction for longevity. You're right. They're like, I'm going to eat
1: one blueberry and three almonds. Three almonds. And yeah. i like, so I think I got this idea with fasting that it was male, medical, too hard too much discipline. And for people who didn't really like food, (laughs) because I do love my food, it's a pleasure, you know. Oh, Um, yeah. Exactly. And then, so I've heard about it for years, right, from different people. And then the pandemic hit in last year obviously and my weight as many of us did in the beginning you know my weight went up and we do I'm doing kilograms but I've googled the pounds so my weight went up to about 170 pounds and I'm 46 and I'm five foot six so while this was not you know obese it was for me sort of I was stretching my size 14 UK jeans and I was like do I buy size 16 jeans in the UK which I don't even know what that is in in America like I don't even know. I think it's two, Maybe so- two sizes eight smaller or, 10 or something, or I don't
0: know. It's, it's
1: definitely different. It's, de- it's twelve. Different. I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> exactly. I'm just making numbers up. Ignore me. <laughs> I think I think it might be a twelve. So a sixteen is a twelve, and so I was like, okay, I got to do something, and I felt really big, and my face was really puffy, and I was heavy, and I do a lot of movement. I don't like to call it exercise. I like movement and training, and I lift weights and do all this stuff, and I was like, I have to do something. So. I remember when it was, it was July 25th. I actually wrote it down and I found, I, I must've Googled like relaxed intermittent fasting and I found Kayla Cox. Uh, her laid back guide to intermittent fasting, and then her podcast, Six Miles to Supper. So, this was all like on one day in July. And then, so I listened to a few of those, and then it came up. This podcast came up, Intermittent Fasting Stories. So, I started listening to this too. Oh,
0: someone on her podcast mentioned it? No, just on oh, okay, the podcast
1: okay. I was like, what? Okay, yes, I get it. The podcast it, recommended, recommended it. Recommended okay. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, I was like, this is great. And I heard you, and I was like, okay. And I went and literally, this is all one day. I bought Delay, Don't Deny, Feast, Fast, Repeat, I think was just out this was july 2020 Mm -hmm. bought those got on jason fung did all i'm very fast reader and i just binge consumed this whole load of stuff (laughs) and i was like i just got i've got it i'm gonna do this so 20 25th of july 2020 the next day i did 24 and i haven't gone back like every day since (laughs) So as we speak, it is about nine months, so not as long as many people who come on. But so yeah, so essentially it feels like a long journey, but I think it was both you and Kayla Cox, I was like, oh my goodness, uh, normal women who are like me, I don't want to say middle aged, but let's face it, not Well, we are. <laughs> yeah you know it's not like a 21 year old skinny yoga instructor on Instagram or whatever and also people who enjoy food I love that everyone right. on the show I love you food.
0: do you know I do yeah
1: so I'm like okay this doesn't have to be complicated I don't have to weigh anything and it's very easy delay don't deny and also I think Jin the fact that you have a PhD and that you're very diligent with your science and I trust you like literally I trust you we've never met but I trust you and I know people listening do too because you've done so much work and this is the big thing about the internet right you have to find people you trust and listen to them <laughs> so so basically that's what i did and yeah i think that was the main thing my husband was like oh well i can't do that we can come back to my husband but he two weeks later he started and he's not gone back either <laughs> love it <laughs> So did he need to lose weight or? Yeah, I mean, similar as in he, but he's also, he's had IBS for years. And so his gut is very, very sensitive. And so like, literally he lost, neither, of we can come to weight, but in terms of weight, he hasn't lost any weight on the scale, but he's a completely different looking man. <laughs> That's amazing. Body recomposition in action. Has he lost like a, a gut kind of like? Yeah, everywhere. But his, okay. his face, I mean, it really was that inflammation, I think. Also just for on the IBS, since we are talking about my husband, and he I asked his permission, and he said it's okay to share, because it's an awful thing, right? And he'd been we'd gone through all we'd been on like special diet for years, no garlic, no onion, no processed food. So we eat just, you know, basically meat and vegetables, and chocolate, <laughs> and wine. <laughs> But no, nothing really processed. But he'd he'd had all the colonoscopy. And eventually we went, the diet he was recommended was eat little and often. But he's always just felt terrible. He had reflux and all these things. Um, But within about three days of going IF, again, it's like a 24 protocol, he, it went away. That's amazing. Yeah. So he one little tip no for people. No more IBS. No, no and he, he was wow. having to take these enzyme pills and stuff. All gone away. Although he like we did have one night where he had too much curry and yeah, then was a problem. But basically, you know, even curry, we couldn't eat curry for years and now we can. But one little tip for anyone listening with the reflux, because he was like, Well, I can't fast because I'll have reflux, and he drinks ginger tea. So he just has a flask of ginger tea and he just drinks that during the day, just to not you know, it only has ginger in. It's not an American ginger tea, it's like a British ginger tea. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, And normally just a little caveat.
0: I wouldn't normally recommend ginger tea because it's not technically, you know, it's not completely part of a clean fast because it's food based. But if he's got a special medical reason that it's working well for him, then. Um,
1: yeah. Well, it definitely works for him. And then, other than that, you know, we both only drink black coffee and water during the day. But he finds that helps his reflux. Yes, definitely. He can't have too much coffee. But yeah, so I wanted to, you know, sort of mention it because people get told with IBS, you know, you should eat every couple of hours. <laughs> it's like his gut needed a rest. Well, you know, that
0: it's so true that often the conventional wisdom that we're told is really the opposite. His gut needed a rest. Yeah. So he does tolerate more foods than before.
1: Absolutely. And we just keep expanding it, you know. That's amazing. It is. It's like a whole new life, Jin. I mean, you know, as I said, I enjoy my food, but our home diet became pretty restricted because of what he couldn't eat. So now we're really expanding things. So yeah, on IF, it's funny we now, you know, because we delay, don't deny. And so we try everything and it's awesome. So yeah, I really hope people listening If they have, obviously people get it for different reasons, but it's made such a big difference to our life. And we've been dealing with this for over a decade. That's amazing.
0: You know, it's really important that people understand that you can heal your gut, you know when um Melanie Avalon and I had Dr. Ruscio, I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. He's an author who wrote a book about gut health, and we had him on our podcast a long time ago. It might have been twenty eighteen. I'm not really sure, but one of the main takeaways I got from talking to him was that guts can heal and and our and he he's um I think a gastroenterologist, and so he of course, works with patients with i b s and all these different gut issues. But the goal is not to become more and more restrictive, which you know people are like. Well, this doesn't work for my gut, and this is, infl- you know, is a problem for my gut. If you heal your gut, can tolerate more foods.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and
0: that's what's really important to keep in mind. You know, I actually read something. I'm working on a new book, and I read something that talked about how if we're overly restrictive, our gut bugs actually eat the gut lining. If they don't have, like, the right kind of fiber, they're like, well, you're not giving me the right kind of fiber, and I'm going to eat your gut lining. And that actually makes it worse, and you could tolerate even fewer foods. So if you don't feed them the—I mean, they need fiber. I might have read that in Fiber Fueled. I can't think of the author's name.
1: Have you read Fiber Fueled? No, I think I've been blessed. You know, I had a mom who brought me up with real food, and so I pretty much eat real food generally, and uh, so I get enough. I love broccoli. I love sprouts. I know you love sprouts, Oh, too. I do, too. <laughs> But avocado. in, in, in Fiber Fueled, he ta- I think that's where I read it first. He talks about, like I said, our
0: gut lining, that, that if we're not feeding them the right fibers that they need, they eat the lining, and then we tolerate fewer fibers. So the fewer fibers we eat, the fewer fibers we can tolerate because that damages the gut. So the cause effect is wrong. A lot of people think, well, it's the fibers that caused the problem. No, the lack of fibers caused the problem, so now you can't tolerate fibers. But you can fix it is the whole point point I'm making. And your husband's story illustrates that.
1: Yeah, I think also a lot of people think fiber means you know, bran or stuff like that. But you can get most fiber in just vegetables, right? I mean, well, I that's, think that's where we're important. supposed to get it. Exactly. We're,
0: you know, we're supposed to get it from natural sources. We're not supposed to take in b- fiber products like that you stir in your water. No.
1: <laughs> Eat food. <laughs> yeah. But I must say, I mean, I, you know, too much information, but I have a healthy gut and I'm, I am I'm always so grateful. So people listening, if you have a healthy gut, like be grateful because it's <laughs> It's very good. <laughs> I agree. Mine is healthy too.
0: And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But if yours is not, I would check out Dr. Ruscio's book about the gut or fiber-fueled, anybody who needs to read more about it. Because the point is that you can make changes. And the goal is to tolerate the foods that you couldn't instead of getting more and more restrictive like your husband. So so he hasn't lost any weight on the scale, but he looks different and his health is better. How about you with your
1: weight loss? Yeah. So basically within two months, because I do weight training and stuff, I, and we were on our, at the end of our third lockdown in the UK, but I was able to go in and get measured using the um, in-body uh, measurement thing. So I did lose eight kilograms, whatever that is in pounds. I don't know. Is that 20 pounds? Something like that? Maybe. <laughs> Okay, every kilogram is like two point
0: something. So just (laughs) multiply it by two point something. Let's say like
1: 16 pounds.
0: 20. It might be more like 20.
1: Yes. Well, it went it went down quite quickly in the first couple of months. So I feel like that was a lot of inflammation and all of that. But since about uh, October, so I guess July, August, September, so the first three months I did lose quite quickly. And I have now stopped weighing. I haven't weighed <laughs> for a while because I haven't lost any more weight. But I'm now wearing, I've, I, I'm actually wearing right now my size 10 jeans, UK, which I think is six US. I did just try the size eight on just before this, but they weren't, they were not wearing, you know, they they were like, (laughs) yeah, you could stand up in this, but you couldn't sit down. Yeah. Yeah. So basically in terms of body recomposition, that's been huge. I mean, and I I was going to say, I mean, you know this, but it's so annoying. It's like parts of your body that you really want to lose fat are not the ones (laughs) that do. So I'm like, why are my arms, why are my forearms getting slimmer and not my belly, you know? Or why are my calves disappearing and not my butt? <laughs> but the good news is
0: is that it'll change over time. When I first hit my goal weight in the spring of 2015, I still had huge boobs. <laughs> I was a triple D. I don't know, our bra size is the same in the in the UK. I think similarly. Cup sizes. Yeah. I was yeah. I was a triple D. That's that's big. <laughs> I mean, I had lost 75 pounds at that point, but I mean, I still had so much breast tissue. And now I'm a C. I have gone just over the time from 2015 to 2021. I, I mean, now I'm no longer shrinking, thank goodness, <laughs> but C is fine. But I went from a triple D to a C, and just over time, my body continued to change. So you'll see it. It's gonna, you're still in just really early days with that.
1: Exactly. Well, that's kind of what I feel. And also, I wanted to, I know other people have said it, but JJ in episode 22, which I've listened to twice and my husband listened to as well, he said, look up after two years. So as in, don't obsess over it until two years and things will be transformed. And so that's what I say to myself is, look, it doesn't happen in a linear manner. And I've lost definitely one bra size, but it's like it feels very, very slow. And yet this is a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. This is not a diet. And so it doesn't really matter? I mean, yes, I would love to wear a bikini this year, but you know, <laughs> it probably will be next year. <laughs> and, and I'll funny. be honest, I've had two babies and I'm
0: 51 years old and I cover up that belly on
1: the yeah. beach. <laughs> well to be fair, mine is really white, but I feel like yeah, you know, even wearing a normal swimsuit, you know, I'm I'm just but I'm I have bought new dresses and I just feel much happier with my size. Although you know how other thing I've noticed is some days you look in the mirror and you think nothing's changed, which is why you have to take those photos, because otherwise you're like, you know, emotionally you feel, oh, I'm so fat, you know, whatever. You have those days and then you realize that actually things have changed quite a lot. So emotion doesn't necessarily equal reality. And we, we know that with hormones and emotions and everything. So,
0: yeah. And that's a really important thing to point out, because a lot of times people will say, I feel like I'm gaining weight or I feel like I'm not losing. I'm like, okay, well, that is not useful. Are you? Are you not? We need to find out. We need to know. And you know, that doesn't mean you have to use the scale because the scale, obviously, we know, isn't gonna give you the picture of what's happening. Maybe you're gaining muscle and losing fat or maybe you're losing muscle and gaining fat. I mean, we don't know just from what the scale is doing. So ignore the scale, but get pictures, measurements, honesty pants. You've got your size eight honesty pants. They're not ready today, but they will be. So no matter what the scale shows you, if those pants are changing the way they fit on you, you know, then your body is changing. And that's just so important. But you can't just go by how you feel. Like, I don't feel like you got to have something you got to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, even like there's a jacket, I, I've got rid of a lot of stuff over the years, but there's a jacket I really love. It's a designer jacket, and I haven't been able to wear it for like eight years. And that now I can put on. And that is my arms, you know, my arms, that's my chest and my back. And so, and that fits really nicely. And now I'm like, oh, I really want to wear that somewhere, you know, but, but I know. You once it's cold <laughs> enough and let me go out. Oh, yeah, I couldn't wear it where you are, but, you know, in England. <laughs>
0: know. I, I have a jacket like that that I held on to from my skinny years when I was taking all those diet pills.
1: fucking <laughs> the day.
0: Yeah, back in the day when I got all those doctor's diet pills. Anyway, it was a jacket that I just loved and that I kept it even when I got way too big to even put it on my body. And I still have it and I still wear it. It was from like and or something 2003 it's like a brown suede jacket and I love it
1: mm. yeah and I think sometimes we obsess about like the size of certain parts of our body and with IF you know you I've heard some people on this show say oh I've lost weight on my ankles or you know there were places on my wrists you know it's really, really getting much smaller and it's weird but that's okay and I think we I've got a personal trainer who's also into IF and he's like a super fit six foot three millennial man and he you know he's completely into um, But funnily, he didn't even mention it until I told him I was doing it. And then he's like, oh, I do that. I'm like, well, why didn't you say like <laughs> ages yeah,
0: ago? He should be telling everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, he feels like people aren't very accepting of it as it happens. But anyway, I was saying to him one day, oh, you know, it's so annoying that it's not coming off here. And he's like, yep, wherever you really want it to go is the place it will go last. <laughs> Sorry. It's like that part.
0: That part's your really good friend. It wants to stick around.
1: Or like, you you know, loving our bodies. It's the place where your body feels it's most effective to store it. So, you know, as women, often around our middles in midlife or whatever. And, you know, sometimes that's – and that's okay. I think that's the other thing. It's like accepting where it's released is okay.
0: And loving our bodies even – I mean, there is really – no such thing as a perfect body. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. And I really focus on the strong woman. So, I, you know, I lift weights and I really enjoy being strong. And I do like ultramarathons and I walk a long way. And yeah, I really love my movement, I call it. Um, and so that's my focus. The women's bodies that I look at are, you know, the, yeah, the strong women, the people who do like calisthenics or, you know, who look, Strong and have muscles, and I do also with the in body. I have evidence, and I was really wanted another one to tell you, but of course, lockdown for four months or whatever. But um, I have lost body fat and not weight as measured by this. So you Love can, it. So you've
0: you've maintained your muscle mass but lost the fat exactly. So yeah. yeah, that's important because that's what we want. You know, we want to retain our muscle mass as we age, our bone mass, our muscle mass, and lose the fat. Mm. Because that's what helps us age well and be strong and keep our mobility.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's funny I talking about that. How can I be old enough to be talking about I want to preserve my mobility
1: as <laughs> <'cause> I <laughs> age? <laughs>
0: Getting older is strange, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's another reason I love my trainer because we do focus a lot on functional movement. Like it's you know a lot of things are can you um you know reach up above you reach straight above you to lift something up, which is actually a lot of people can't even do. You know, or can you get up off the floor? Right, like
0: yes, yeah, that's a really good one. Like you're sitting sitting on the floor cross legged. Can you stand up without using your hands? Can you even sit cross legged? Yeah, well, that's true. But if you can sit cross legged and then get up from the floor without using your hands, that's a really good sign. I like to, I might try that after we get off. I could try it now, that'd be weird, but last time I tried I could do it. So I'm I'm gonna keep trying that.
1: <laughs> but these things are really important. And I think that's the thing with IF. Like you say, people come for the weight loss, stay for the health benefits. And and I feel like that's how I feel is this is the missing piece. And I, I wanted to say this to you. It's like I've always really eaten pretty healthy, you know, and as I said, my mum was like really we've always eaten proper food. And yes, sure, I had the biscuits and the cake and the wine, but not loads and never... Not in excess. You weren't you weren't overeating those those things. Exactly. But now I look at what I would eat. So I would have like eggs and salmon for breakfast, like a protein breakfast. And then but then an hour or two later like two hours later I might have an apple and a handful of nuts. And then I'd have a chicken salad for lunch with olive oil, you know, and then in the afternoon I might have a banana or something. And then you realize and at the time I would drink coffee with milk and tea with milk. And now I'm like, well, all of those are kind of approved things you're meant to eat. And yet it was the amount and the volume and the regularity in time that was the issue. And so this IF and, you know, hearing your stuff, it's like, this is the missing link. It's just, you can still eat all that stuff, but eat it in a window later on instead of all the time. And so now I kind of understand why it's been such a struggle for forever, really.
0: It really does become apparent because you just outlined a perfect diet that you would see from a nutritionist who doesn't understand intermittent fasting, and it would be like what would be in the magazine is like, here is how to be healthy. Eat your eggs with your salmon, eat your this, have your apple. That sounds like the perfect diet that we've been trained as what we should aspire to. But you were overweight and felt awful
1: eating that amazing diet. Yeah, well, I even saw a nutritionist a few years ago, and it was so funny because she came out and you know to welcome me into her office, and she kind of looked at me. She looked past me, and then she said, "Oh, I didn't expect to see someone who's like a normal size coming to see me. I normally get really obese people coming to see me." She's like, "So why are you here?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm overweight for a start." And then she and I gave her that diet, and she was like, "Well." I can't really see anything wrong with it. And she didn't have any... All she said is you should control your portion size. Maybe you're having too much salmon in the morning or maybe you should have half an avocado, you know, whatever. And it's like she she didn't get it. And this was a nutritionist. right. She's been trained,
0: you know, these are the things you should be eating and you were doing that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but now it's so funny because I just feel like, oh, duh, way too much food and way too regularly. And um and my mom is now doing IFT. I love that. Yeah, she's seventy-four and she's still in the stage of being annoyed that she hasn't suddenly got the figure of a (laughs) 25-year-old. And I'm like, mom, you're 74. You can't expect to suddenly... (laughs) Give it some time. (laughs) When did she start? She started, I think, October, November. And I bought her your books. Since then, she's bought them for like loads of other people. (laughs) So it keeps going around. But she also feels better. She's like, oh... I also this missing link idea. She's like, of course. Why do I need that much food? I'm an you know an older woman. Why do I need the same amount of food as a growing young man? That's so true. And <laughs> you know when I was researching for my second book, Feast Without
0: Fear, I got deep into some report that compares you know what we what people eat all over the world, and we really are eating more food in America than people in, you know, places like the blue zones, you know, where people live to be over a hundred or, you know, ninety and are living so well. They are eating less food. We really are, you know, for the new book that I'm working on now, we really are eating more food as a society. So it's that is happening. But of course you're gonna eat more food when you have the advice to eat every two hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: crazy. It's That's
0: crazy. That's the advice. Eat every two hours, but don't eat too much, but eat every two hours.
1: Yeah. That's not good advice. Exactly. And I think also, I mean, obviously I'm in Europe. Uh, I still think England's in Europe. But it's, you know, and I- our- Continentally, I mean,
0: according to the seven continents that we taught in elementary school, it is. It is
1: in Europe, indeed. Yes. And emotionally, I'm in Europe. <laughs> right. But we, you know, even your well, like you're drinking from a mug now. And I'm like, we don't even have mugs that big <laughs> in England. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, when I, I come to America, it's very hard to, I mean, like you order a salad in an American chain or, or anywhere and it's, uh, they add like pecans, which aren't just pecans, they're like candy pecans. And I'm like, can I not have all the sugar? But it's interesting how much sugar there, much more sugar there is in an American, you know, food than there is, I think, in Europe.
0: So the, the restaurant foods are really different. I've never been to Europe. I want to, and I I want to start off in the UK because I'm scared. I speak English. I don't. I I might have a hard time in a country where they can't understand me. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. But I want to start off in the UK, and of course, that's you know my heritage. I had my DNA done, and no surprise, most of my heritage is British Isles. I've got Irish, Scottish, also some English, and.
1: I want to, it'll feel like home. Oh, well, you know, you should do like a podcast listener event and then you can make it tax deductible travel. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'll plan to do that. I really do.
0: When it's really, you know, all open and back safe, I do want to travel. You know, I'm, I'm retired from teaching. When my husband retires, he can go with me, but I would like to really travel the world and meet people. From the podcast and and the groups, yes, and the book that is on my list. Yeah, the books. Mm -hmm.
1: I think you should, and and I do think that this movement. I believe now this is a movement, and there are a lot of people who are grateful. You know, I think, and people have said it before, but I'm very grateful to you for for sharing your journey because, again, I heard you can hear the same information, but if people aren't like you. In, you know, you weren't weighing and measuring all this stuff once this happened. And if you identify with somebody, then you can take on a message that you might have heard before. I mean, my husband says that I said to him, I would never fast. Like I had said that years ago, probably hearing Tim Ferriss. I'm like, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Like literally, I don't want to live that way. But now, I love this way of of eating and living and yeah we eat all the things in a window. It just it feels so
0: much better to not have to stress about it during the day and then you just get to eat the delicious foods in your window and you don't stress about it then either. It really has removed all the the stress and angst around food because it was an all day thought-consuming process Mm, before.
1: Yeah. And I feel like on appetite correction, I did want to, I was thinking about this because I wasn't very hungry, but what happened probably a couple of months, it took a couple of months, I think, was that now where we are now, we physically can't eat too much food. Like sometimes if I have a longer window, so if I do, like I did, um, 50 K in, um, November and that was in one day and I fasted until uh, so I ended up doing, um, a 16, eight because I didn't want, you know, I wanted a longer window because I was walking a really long way, but I felt fine. You know, I did like 30 K fasted and then I had a small, of food nothing major and was fine and then had dinner and that's like a big thing and my appetite now I do feel like sometimes I'll have a longer window usually it's around four hours but now you know if I need a eight hour window I might have that sometimes generally on a big exercise day but I don't want to eat more than that so the appetite correction has definitely kicked in for both me and my husband now
0: it's really striking when that does happen because that's the point when you no longer have to struggle because you're like, yep, I've had enough. And then you stop. Although sometimes it's disappointing
1: if you have planned to eat something else and you don't have room for it. Yeah. You have to be so careful. Like if I do open early, you know, like I'm seeing my mom for the first time in ages lockdown and she's like, I really want to go for cake. And I'm like, fine, you know, and I'll open my window early, but I just know I won't be able to eat like what I would normally eat at dinner you know I really love my snack at (laughs) I do the kind of snack and then the meal I have my snack at just after four so I normally have four till eight like a four till eight window p.m. obviously (laughs) so I have my snack at like four and I really look forward to it and then we'll eat sort of six-ish and then have some fruit or whatever maybe some maybe some wine or a gin and tonic I do like a gin and tonic (laughs) (laughs) But it, I've yeah. never been a gin drinker, although I feel like I should. There you go. Well, if you come over to England, we, we, we have a lot of um, artisanal gin. So maybe you just haven't had the right type. It's possible.
0: <laughs> although this, my mother always drank Tanqueray when I was growing up, oh, yeah. and she would give me her olives
1: out of it. Oh, no, no. You don't have olives in gin. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> no, olives are great in gin. I love olives. <laughs> Not in gin.
0: I would eat olives out of Tanqueray all day long, Oh, now. <laughs> There
1: you go. I just really like olives.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Y'all do not put olives. So y'all are not having like a martini kind of No,
1: I just have gin and tonic, but I have different gins and different tonics and then lemon and a lot lot of ice. So yeah. Well, my mom is like straight up Tanqueray
0: with nothing but the ice and the olives. Okay,
1: right. (laughs) She's a
0: different kind of woman. (laughs) That's true. That's (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> we love our moms, right? Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, have you had any health benefits that you can identify since starting
1: IF? Well, definitely just feeling good and obviously feeling happier about myself. I did how I was thinking about the funny things. I had this nail that I split um like 14 years ago <laughs> and it healed up. Yeah, on my on my like, yeah, one of my ring finger, yeah. And it healed up within about 2 months. So it was like always weird for like how many years? Like fourteen years. <laughs> a funky nail for fourteen years, and, it and then it up. like that's it, like amazing. it split down to the root, and then it as it grew, it would still split, 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 and now the split's gone. And I was like, okay, okay, body, maybe you could lose some weight off my butt instead of fixing <laughs> my nail.
0: <laughs> the nail could go another five yeah. years,
1: but that was a really See, odd one.
0: I mean, you just I love can't that tell. though. Your body does what it does, and it's like, well, there's no digestion. Let's fix this Let's fingernail. fix this nail. Finally, we can. <laughs> it's like the to-do
1: list of body maintenance. Right. But, um, it was on there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, to be honest, I mean, because I'm a writer, obviously, and I do all pretty much all day. My work is fasted. And again, back on my husband, he says he is so upset that he missed out on doing this his whole life because, again, he's very sensitive. And he says the brain fog lifted for him. And he literally, he doesn't think that he could work now well, he couldn't work before because of eating, like it almost poisoned his brain. And now he's thinking about doing like going back to college and studying like math. He loves maths and suddenly he can do pure maths, which he hasn't been able to do for years because he said suddenly
0: he can think. Well, you know, there's that gut-brain connection. You know, not only do we have the ketones from fasting, which is a great source of energy for our brain and leads to some of that mental clarity, but, you know, clearly he had gut issues. And so that gut-brain connection, you know, if you have an unhealthy gut, that can lead to brain fog. Yeah, it's like a poise- food
1: was poison, which is so sad. It's true, because... and it's not
0: supposed to be. And that doesn't mean, again, some people get really... You know, confused. Even a lot of books and health experts out there blame the food, the good food, the food. And really, it's the gut that's the problem. And you can heal it and then you can feel better.
1: Yeah. But no, I just think just my general energy, like I work out with my trainer, you know, first thing in the morning and all of these big walks. And I just love working out fasted. I just couldn't imagine now eating beforehand. So yeah, and I work really well. I mean, I've I've never had much of a problem with working, but I would always be eating something too. And I think this is really important for my community. And I've shared your information and your books on my podcast before. It's difficult because I don't really talk about health so much, but I did mention it and kind of said, you know, writers, it's a very sedentary Life. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's true. Really. I mean, I'm stand. I have a standing desk here. I'm standing up now. But it. We spend a lot of time writing, and a lot of people snack while they're writing. And so, sorting this out. It's not just a now thing. It's not just oh, great, I've lost a bit of weight and I feel better. It's the rest of my life. And to be a healthy writer, this is my living. This is my passion. I need this. I need a body that works and a brain that works for my life. And in fact, the thing that really excited me was the link, well, the health preventative benefits with that, Alzheimer's and dementia, because that my biggest fear is dementia. Like, I'm happily child-free, but, you know, as women, we often live longer than our husbands. And I'm like, my biggest fear would be to be demented in a care home with nobody and just not being able to do that. So to me, Even if every day there's like a tiny minuscule thing against Alzheimer's, then that's what I want. I want to do everything I can. This podcast is supported by FedEx.
2: or text Wondery Pod to five hundred five hundred.
0: Me too. And you know, both of my grandmothers suffered from dementia until they died. One grandmother had Alzheimer's and the other had Parkinson's. But it was really hard watching these, you know, my one grandmother she um, traveled extensively all around all of her, you know, all my whole life. And then all of a sudden, she didn't know who we were. I mean, I guess it wasn't really all of a sudden, but you know what I mean. She went from someone who was so fiercely independent. And then my other grandmother, she was an interior designer, and she kept herself always to your house was perfect, and she was perfect. And then it, watching that all slip away, and and I know that she would have really hated what her the end years were like because she you know couldn't control her body and it was so very you know I I guess almost maybe the dementia was a blessing because she didn't know that that she was going through but but it was still heartbreaking to watch as a family member and I don't want that to be me either
1: and also you just think, well, the pra- the little practices, it's a bit like, you know, I've written over 30 books at this point. You know how hard it is to write a book, but it's just a little bit every day, right? Or, a little, you know, you're working a little bit all the time on progressing your project to the next stage. And I feel like that's how our bodies are. Like, if we can just do a little bit every day instead of what I used to do, like a lot of people like you was, oh, I need to do this. I'll go on Weight Watchers. Or, oh, I need to do this. I'll take, drink the shakes or whatever. And it, no you just do a little bit every day so even if you just do 16-8 you know or 16-8 and then 24 or whatever you know that will help you that rhythm that behavior is much better over the long term if it's stable and repeatable as opposed to a sort of these highs and lows which is what it used to be because you just never maintain that right those it's not sustainable no exactly right you've got to find something that's sustainable
0: and that's why intermittent fasting is such a great lifestyle i was just having a conversation with someone the other day about intermittent fasting and Uh, Oh, I know what it was. I think it was on the podcast or listener question. And they're like, I heard that if you quit, you'll gain all the way back. We're like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You don't quit. That's the thing. You don't want to. And that's the difference from everything else I've ever done. I haven't wanted to quit. If someone told me I had to quit, I would be like,
1: wait, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, because it's not um, – as you say, you you don't want to quit. And it's almost like, well, you, you can't, you almost can't. I mean, unless you try and start building up your window, like I would have to start building up my window more and more because I can't physically eat that much.
0: I feel like I couldn't (laughs) physically quit. Like my body would be so, I would feel so
1: terrible. Exactly. Yeah. And why would you? I think that's the other thing. And it's so hard. I know people listening, I know it's so hard because you don't know it at the beginning. And you think, oh, I have to white knuckle there. So I have to do, like, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She'd seen me on a video and she's like, oh, your face is looking slimmer. And what are you doing? And I was, so I told her about IF and about you and everything. And she's like, and then she tried, she was like, this isn't working for me. And I was like, what are you doing? And surprise, surprise, she was putting milk in her coffee and maybe some oil. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Stop, stop with the oil and butter in the coffee already. And that will be fine. And in fact, I know you've you've also read Dave Asprey, but you know, his book came out and I was so disappointed in it. What did you think? Are you allowed to say? (laughs) (laughs) It was not what I expected. Yeah, no, me.
0: No, me. (laughs) Well, I read all the new ones that come out because, you know, when I wrote Fast, Feast, Repeat, one of my goals was I wanted to write a book that would stand the test of time with fasting and that would appeal to people who could really understand what to do and when to do it. And I wanted it to stay on the test of time and be the one people picked up in 10 years. That was my goal, you know, to, to be that kind of book. So every time a new book comes out about fasting that sounds like it's going to be the one, I read it. And I'm like, all right, that's not the one either. <laughs> I don't want, you know, not so far. <laughs> they all have a different kind of a spin. So his has a different kind of a spin. And it doesn't really tell you necessarily what to do or how to do it.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't really go into, I think, the benefits. Oh, and can I just say, I would like to actually, I bet
0: Dave Asprey would be amazed if he would open his mind to the clean fast, because there's a part in there. Melanie Avalon and I were both reading it at the same time, because we got copies ahead of time before it came out, because we have the same agent as Dave Asprey. (laughs) But we got it early. And she's like, I think he's talking about you here. She said, I don't know if he was. He might not know that I exist. I have no idea. But he talked about the people who, like, have really stringent rules about the fast and how they're miserable or something. And he's not a purist like that. But it was kind of a dig at the clean fast, it felt like. But I bet if he took the clean fast challenge that I have in Fast Feast Repeat. Dave Asprey, I want you to take the clean fast challenge for one month. You might think I'm
1: wrong. You love your bulletproof coffee. If you did it for one month, I swear you would not go back. But you realize, Jin, that he has a whole business-based... On the bulletproof coffee and the MCT well, oil. You know what? He can drink that in his eating window. Have it later. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that is true. That is true. I also want to encourage people: the clean fast helps. Like it, without it, I don't. You know, if I do have something, like occasionally, I'll I might have a like a flat white coffee. You know, like a small one, but it'll have milk in. And you know, sometimes I choose to do that, and it's then harder like I swear I'm hungry
0: (laughs) yeah because you're you've eaten food (laughs) or you know you drank the food but you know it really makes a difference and I've heard a lot of people sorry Dave a lot of people have told me they did it that way with the bulletproof coffee for years and then they switched over to the clean fast they're like oh my gosh it's such a difference you know because that whole mindset that fat you know isn't going to cause the insulin response and therefore, you know, it's going to make you burn more fat, but it's not going to make you burn more fat than the fat you just took in.
1: Yeah. And the like, and it's, yes, it's going to give our you mental fat.
0: clarity, right? <laughs> you're going to make ketones from that fat. If you're MCT oil, your body's going to turn that MCT oil into brain ketones, but it will also turn your butt fat into brain <laughs> ketones. Yes.
1: And we'd much rather it did that. So yeah, definitely. I was already drinking black coffee by the time I started, so it wasn't hard at all. And we love water, so that's... That wasn't hard at all, and but yeah, that's all we do all day, you know. I have my Nespresso machine at home since yep, the latte that crema that's on there. <laughs> that,
0: but I really would, if anybody you know knows Dave Asprey, yeah. if you're listening to the podcast. I would just like for him to try it, and I, I mean this with with love and affection towards Dave because he was one of the first fasting people that I read as well back in the day with his bulletproof diet. I read that, I tried it, I didn't lose any weight. I was if. It was. I also learned, as I'm heard, sure you, uh, you've heard me say, that my body doesn't clear fat well. So having a giant mug of fat full coffee is really the worst thing I could do for my body. That's why I felt inflamed all the time when I tried it. So it's not right for everybody. No, for sure. But I bet he would feel better.
1: There we go. But I hope I that encourages like, people anyway. I hope so, too. Yeah. I really think
0: it makes, makes a lot of difference, obviously, as I say over and over again. <laughs> Is there anything you struggle with, with intermittent fasting?
1: Really, no. I really just love it. And it also helps that my husband loves it too. And he's actually much more, sometimes he just won't have his like snack, at you know, and he'll be much more disciplined, but I, and I've, I've thought about the mealless Mondays, you know, and I've thought about doing the, you know, skip a day or whatever. And I just don't want to do it. I really look, I look forward to it. I look forward to my food at four o'clock and and my dinner and stuff. So I just figured that, as you said, it's better to be sustainable and have like a daily practice than it is to try and overstress. Like, I don't want to be anxious. I know I won't be hungry. That's not it. There's definitely an emotional attachment to eating. <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And
0: so for the people that a meal Monday or a 5-2 or a 4-3 or a hybrid approach, if those things don't sound sustainable, then don't feel like you have to do them. Because, you know, some people love them. they They love, they try them. Maybe they're a little afraid to, and then they try it and they're like, wow, this is great. You know, if you've got health issues that you know you may need to do a longer fast here and there, don't be afraid to try it. But also don't be afraid to not try it. I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. And I just feel like at the moment, I'm not ready for that. And I prefer to make my window a bit smaller. Like some days it will be a sort of 22 2 And then I quite naturally might have a longer window another day, just if I am hungry, like I know when I'm hungry now, whereas I, I didn't really before. And hunger is not an emergency, as it's you say, not. but sometimes it's, it's real hunger. <laughs> it's true. It's
0: true. It, you, you, ha- you learn how to tell the difference. And that's what's so important. Now, we still have a, a bit of time, but I want to take some time to talk about your work for my audience. Because, you know, one thing that I've loved, you know, I'm a teacher. And as a teacher, I love to help people become more productive with what they're doing, which obviously you do, too, because you are not only a fiction writer, but you also like to help other writers, with their writing. And so one of the things that I'm the most proud of is the number of books that my community have generated, You know, like Graham Curry and Rachel Nakati, who was on this podcast. And I mean, I could just go on and on and not even remember them all. Lori Lewis, Paige Davidson, who have all written books about intermittent fasting, Cheryl Gremlin, And I love that people are are starting their own podcasts and writing books about their own personal journey. You know, Kim Smith and Ryan Smith from episode one, and I can't remember what episode Ryan was. But I know that there are a lot of people who have these creative talents. Maybe they don't want to write a book about intermittent fasting, but maybe they've got something else in them that they want to write about, that they're passionate about. So talk about that side of you for a little
1: while. Yeah, well, you know, I think we have this— We identify with being miserable at some point in our lives, whether it's our weight or our career. And I was a miserable corporate, you know, cubicle slave back in the day. And I sort of, in fact, Tim Ferriss, the idea of lifestyle design. And I was like... four-hour work week, was that what it was? Yep. I remember that. So it was Mm -hmm. back then. And I was like, okay, what do I really love? I love books. (laughs) I love learning. I know you do too. And I love um, traveling. So I decided to design a life around books and travel, basically, and started writing. But in terms of, you know, people listening, I mean, the main thing is setting aside time. And it's, Time. It's not
0: going to be a four-hour
1: work week. No, it's not. <laughs> but it's the time. So in the same way that, you know, we're both educated people, and yet we spend loads of time getting things wrong with our bodies and getting into situations, and that same thing happens. And the same with a book. Like, even if you love reading... It's not just, oh, sit down and out comes perfection. You actually have to schedule some time in your calendar. So this is what I would say to people if you want to write a book, schedule some time in your calendar, sit down and you will be like, oh, what do I do now? Oh, this is terrible. Or you'll write something and it will be terrible. That's okay. There's a whole process of making it better. But by scheduling time in in your calendar, you will actually make time to start the process. And in the same way, we have to learn all the things about IF. You have to learn how to write a book. It is not just sit down and it works. You know, you if it's nonfiction, you have to learn about structure, you know, narrative structure and about how to do everything. And with fiction, there's a whole load more stuff around what you need to learn. But it is all learnable. There is no, I don't, there are some aspects that might be more spiritual around the muse, but it's definitely work. You know, writing a book, as you know, work, but it's work that as a creative person we love to do. So if you feel that urge to write, you know, people listening, if that's your form of creation, and I I believe everyone has a natural way of expressing themselves, then, you know, do it. Don't put it aside. A bit like RIF, it's like, oh, I now know how to do it. I must start now because this is the rest of my life. And I truly believe that the book you write might not change anyone's life, although yours did, but it will change, you know, your life, right? And writing my first book changed my life. And what, 14 years later, here I am, and I'm a full time author. And that's, you know, kind of my dream. But you definitely have to make a decision and then start same, the same with IF. And this is a, a lifetime practice as well.
0: Oh, and I forgot Donna Doobie. She just popped into my head. Donna Doobie also wrote a book. It just it makes me just so happy to see people doing that. And and so they can look up your work and find some of your books that are, are targeted to authors. Like where would which one of your books would you say they should start with? If someone really just has the idea they want to write.
1: Mm, well, at my site, thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N, there's lots of free information on writing and publishing and book marketing. And then I do have books on all kinds of sides of the process. So, but, and then the Creative Pen podcast, I talk about all kinds of different aspects of writing. So yeah, start with all the free stuff. And then, yeah, I do have books um, and other things, courses on writing novels, writing nonfiction, etc. But yeah, start there.
0: Yeah, and that's important and you help people understand how to do self-publishing among other things, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a free ebook called Successful Self-Publishing that's on all the platforms. So people can find that too. And yeah, like you, I'm so passionate about what I do and how it's changed my life that I want I want everyone to write a book because to be honest, if you write a book, you're going to read a whole lot more books. We're like this self-sustaining industry. That's true. <laughs> I have been
0: reading a lot of books as I'm working on this new one of mine. And I also went back to one of my old ones. I won't say which one, but I've been reading a couple of sections here and there. I'm like, this is not good.
1: But if, I've come a long way since then. Yeah, and if but if you're not embarrassed about what you did like five years ago, then you know you you weren't publishing soon enough, probably. So I guess that's
0: true, right? <laughs> you got to look back at your old stuff and go, "What in the world was I doing? Why are people reading this?" <laughs> know,
1: but the beauty of self-publishing is that you just upload a new file, that's so true. you can upload <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: <gasps>
1: Although that would t- there's a lot of work that
0: needs to go into both of my main self published other books,
1: but they still help people, and that's really they do. important. They do. You they know? do, and I'm still proud of both of them, and they
0: both the information is still good. Although my writing was more clunky, yeah, but people don't notice. Well, I
1: don't know. <laughs> I don't
0: know how they don't because it was like I was like, why did I say it like that? I'm a much stronger writer in 2021. So that's but that's practice
1: again, a bit like the if practice with fasting. You know, by writing more, you're practicing. You're becoming better. I'm a hell of a much better writer with 30 plus books than I was with book one. (laughs) I have republished that, by the way.
0: Do really? I would like to go back in and do something with do on deny, and that's not the one I was talking about. By the way, I was talking about feast without fear, and that's the one I really need to rework some of that. But it's still good information, and I'm proud of it because I was, you know, I was early in the personalized nutrition space, I guess, but uh, as a writer about it, you know. But I would like to redo some of that with delayed on deny. I would love to. I would love to bring that to a traditional publisher, a whole revamped, rewritten version with, with a different back section, the testimonial section, because I look back at those when I was, I don't know, maybe when I was reading it for Audible, which was a few years after I had written it, or no, a couple years, maybe in 2018, or I can't remember when I read it for Audible, but I was reading the testimonial section, and it's just very random. Somebody's like, I ate a boiled egg every two hours. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> But it's in there. I mean, and that's what she did. And I'm I'm not knocking that person in her story. But I would not put almost any of those testimonials in a book now because, you know, we didn't know about the clean fast. It was just those were all pre-delayed on deny. So people had just, these are just anybody who had been fasting and sent me their story. Oh, that's awesome. It really is awesome. And I love, I do love reading the testimonial section because those are like old friends that were around in 2016 and their stories are awesome. So if you're listening and you're in there in the testimonial section, I love your story, but they're just different than the ones that I would tell today, perhaps. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So one, one day I'd like to do that, take Delay, Don't Deny out in a different format mm. with a little revision. But I don't know, will it happen? I'm not sure. Yeah, for sure. So we are at the end. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: Well, I think just a bit of patience, I think is really important. And for me, having that daily practice is so much better than trying to do different things on different days or the cheat day or any of this I just find having a daily window approach it this is and this is my life I don't have to even really think about it anymore so but yeah it definitely took a couple of months to kind of for that to happen and yeah the patience is super important and yeah and thank you again to you for sharing your journey and and your books because it's certainly you know like and my husband and my marriage is very so, you know, well done, Jin. Thank you. <laughs> that makes me happy.
0: You know, like I said, I'm a teacher at my heart, and that's what I want to do. I want to teach people that they can do intermittent fasting, and it will improve your life. And it will improve your relationships because you're happier in your skin. So maybe I should put that, that should be next book. Improve your relationships with intermittent fasting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to write another intermittent fasting, but well, we'll see.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it depends how much they offer you. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I said it all
0: already with intermittent fasting. So my new book is not an intermittent fasting book, so. <laughs> but I think it's a good one. Well, Joanna, thank you so much. I knew I would enjoy talking to you, and I was right. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at dot com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's g-i-n at intermittentfastingstories.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at resonaterecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that.